Hey, y'all, East Coast Ed here. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. This podcast will always be free, but if you help Matt and I out for future episodes, supporters will be shouted out on the show, and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future. So please click the support tab and enjoy the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, on a Pride Never Die week, how you doing, my man? Pretty pretty good. Pretty good. I yeah, mean, you, got to, you got to see a lot of action this past weekend. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it's the most exhausting and awesome thing I've ever done as far as covering events go. Um, it was a true test for me just to do back-to-back events and, and the back and forth between New York and Connecticut. But um, you know, you guys like you and I, we don't we don't get tired when when it comes to this sport. No, you gotta love it. I mean, you got to see you got to see a ton of action. Uh, you know, it started Friday night uh, with Bellator 207. Um, you know, a couple surprises on during that event. Uh, you know, before we get to the main fights, the uh, you know. Uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr., Kimbo's son, uh, came out looking really good, and then uh, and kind of gassed out, and and then really gassed out, and, and was, yeah. was finished was finished by uh, Corey Browning. Um, yeah, you know, I don't really know. Uh, they carried him out on a stretcher. I don't know if they showed that on the broadcast. He was they bought like the backboard for him, so I don't know if one of the moves he did like injured him, or if he was just so fatigued he didn't want to get up. I mean, he doesn't look like somebody that has. Like like the whole thing that happened with him and his dad, his father and and Dada eight thousand or whatever his name is, but it's like, you know, like he he's a young man and he's he seems athletic enough. Obviously, he's a professional athlete, so I don't know what they did. They show that on the broadcast when he got carried out or and stuff. Or they- no, I didn't recall that. I was uh, bouncing between you know you guys reports on Twitter and I think I saw your tweet mentioning it or or. Uh- somebody else but yeah so I, I knew it was happening but i don't recall seeing it on the broadcast um it to me i didn't i didn't notice anything kind of you know injury wise i think he was just completely gassed and he and, went for like 12 finishes in like the first 30 seconds yeah no he definitely came out throwing hard and, and going for the subs and the wrestling and it's nice know. how he, i'm not gonna lie like i was really impressed how he put it all together and then when that happened i was like man he almost got a finish and then he just he, it, it didn't go his way so that was definitely, uh, uh, you know, what's weird is like nobody asked for an update. I meant to, but obviously that the, so much, so much happened after that. It was a crazy, I mean, like I said, a crazy weekend. So much, it's like almost too much MMA for one brain. <laughs> yeah. Cause after that fight, you, you instantly got the, uh, the alternate bout for the, uh, Walter Waite Grand Prix, um, uh, where Lorenz Larkin advanced to be the, uh, the alternate, um, with a decision win over Ion Pascu. Um, I'd never seen Ion before. Um, has some good wrestling. Uh, obviously, not quite yet in uh, in Larkin's um, level, but uh, but I was pretty impressed with with him uh, being able to avoid Larkin's striking for the most part. And and uh, although he lost his decision, he you know he made a good showing for himself. Yeah, uh, I just actually because you you mentioned that. I mean, I, I have like the the stuff they gave us with from 
from from both events <laughs> with all the the fight notes. Uh, yeah, no, that one because I put a lot of small notes next to things that happened. Um, that was Bellator two hundred seven, right? So this is two hundred eight. So this is two hundred seven. Yeah. Um, that fight. I mean, it was a split decision. So that fight, it seemed like uh, the crowd. I don't. I don't know if the crowd was more past you than than Larkin. Um, and Larkin mentioned like uh, having having to. Uh, it's weird how these tournaments are. These these formats of changing of what we we've gotten used to in MMA seems to re, uh, light a fire under a lot of fighters. Fedor mentioned it during the, one of the press of, press days, and Larkin mentioned it after his win that night. Um, I believe the video is up on the YouTube channel if, if anybody wants to see it. But he really uh, uh, did, doing these tournaments or bringing back the tournament format, but the way Coker is doing it, it, it's really reinvigorating some guys to like uh, uh, want to like put in a few more years and get get a title and and, and defend it. Um, I, I definitely seen a different Lorenz Larkin than when he came in. You know, he seemed like he came to Bellator a little bit cocky because of where he's coming from. Then he had those losses, and now he's got this. Now he's in as an alternate. And he actually said he's like he's like a, a surprise title fight's going to make me really happy. He said something to along to that effect afterwards. Yeah, well, you know, he, he's slowed down a little bit. I mean, he had a tough fight with Lima, and then he got like you said, he got kind of cocky with Daly in a fight that I think he was winning, and and then Daly put his lights out. Um, yeah, but um, you know, in its tournament format, you got to get the win in advance. I showed as a unanimous decision, but a twenty nine twenty eight. Did did you have it as a split or did you just have it two rounds to one? I think I think uh, I had it as a split decision just because of of the back and forth. Um, there was is that the there was a a lot of back and forth. I forget what the other fight was. I'd have to check my notes when we get to that point on the card. I'm trying to follow along as we talk about it. But um, before that, the Carrington Banks and, and um, Mandel Nalo that was the first fight on on the broadcast when he had that second round uh, knee knockout. Oh yeah, that was a good fight, especially with uh, um, he actually almost had a a, a Darsh chokes uh locked in that he had to let go of. But um, if you look that video, I believe that video is up on the YouTube channel too. Um, the the chin of of Banks left a bruise impression right on the top of his knee, and uh, I think I got a shot of that in the in the video. If people want to see it, yeah, that was a brutal knockout. Um. Nalo seems pretty, pretty, uh, you know, he, he's been around a while, hasn't had a lot of fights. Uh, he went to seven and oh with the KO win, but real smooth operator in the cage, uh, yeah. you know, and somebody who trains with, uh, Rory and GSP up in Canada. So, you yeah, know, uh, for us was there with him in, in a corner and, um, he gave him a lot of credit too. I mean, he's definitely, apparently he's like, he's like the, the, they're like, uh, a hidden gem in that from that gym. And we're just now getting to see him, you know, like apparently like, GSP and Rory think highly of him, so it's nice that he's fighting at Bellator. Yeah, no, and hopefully they can get him some fights, and we can really see what what he's got. I mean, Banks is no joke, and and he pretty much dominated that fight from start to finish. Like you said, throwing up submissions and then and then ending it, uh, you know, seven or eight seconds into the second round with a devastating knockout. Um, but after those fights, we got to the co-main event, which was one of the big uh pride never die weekend fights that i was really looking forward to yeah. um longtime russian fighter sergey karatanov against uh big country roy nelson and uh you know you got two big boys out there swinging at each other throwing some heavy leather and uh i think the more uh i don't know 
the more precise puncher, I would say, in, in Karatanov, uh, eventually wore down Nelson and, and put his lights out with a, with a knee punch combination at the end of the fight. Well, I mean, there was also the the knee that he took on the crown when Nelson was turtled up. That was that. Uh, it's funny because after the fight, we asked him. I don't know if I uploaded that interview yet. I do know I have it. Where we at, uh, it, we had some issues with the guy translating for him, but we were trying to ask him because he didn't look happy with the win because of the, he had the point deduction from the knee to the crown on Nelson when he was turtled up, which in at uh, in Connecticut. Uh, I, I don't think they adopted the new rules yet, so that was an illegal blow. I actually said on Twitter when that happened, I said I think Karatonov thought he was fighting in Pride, you know, because and that even happened in Pride back in the day. If you watch that uh, the deck documentary with uh, the Smashing Machine, um, where they show they they modified the rules where that was used to be allowed and then it wasn't, or vice versa. I forget what it is, but it looked that was like- that was due to weight differences, though. Knees were always knees were always allowed unless you were fighting somebody who was like twenty kilos or twenty five kilos lighter. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but either way, it looked like it looked like he he just didn't you know he said to hell with the rules and 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 threw the knee because it was there. But then I mean I I felt like in his face you could see that he realized what he did and felt bad when he took the not only when they took the boy the point away but when they did the uh you know when they raised his hand for the victory at the end. So I tried to ask him if his victory was marred um, by that, and um, I, something got lost in translation between his, him and his translator. Again, I got to check this. I don't think that video is up yet, but I, I am going to put it up. Yeah, um, I, uh, the in that sequence of knees, he threw one or two prior to that, where uh, where Nelson was. You know, if you slowed it down, I think they were perfectly legal. Um, but it was really close, and then Nelson finally dropped down to his knee and. and uh, Karatanov threw it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in, he's got 36 pro fights. I, he's never been known as a, as a dirty fighter um, in in any sort that I've ever known of any of his fights. So I don't think it's something he did. You know, I don't. It, it's hard for me to say it wasn't a, a, a brutal knee when when a 260 pound six four guy's throwing it at the top of your head. But Roy Nelson, you know. Hey, I, you know, not to fighter bash, but definitely kind of took a flop on that one. I don't know if you ever got a chance to really see the replay, but uh, you know, he kind of did a, a, you know, <laughs> a Greg Luganis half half curled dive after uh, when the when the when the uh, knee hit him. So I don't know. It's just one of those things. Obviously, you know, Roy acted like it was devastating, but he came back and and uh, and fought and. Um, you know, you got two big guys in there. Nelson's not going to look for a way out of the fight. Um, probably shocked him a little bit more than anything when you get hit with something, uh, you know, from that big of a guy. And and uh, and Karatanov really had probably his best performance uh, in the United States that I can think of. I, he's, uh, you know, he hasn't yeah. had a ton. Hasn't had a ton of fights in the U.S. He had some for Strike Force and stuff like well, that. Obviously, well, I mean, the last time I remember him fighting in Bellator wasn't it when he got knocked out by Javi Ayala or no? Oh geez, uh, no, I think he had. Let me double check. I think he had one fight after that where he got a win, but I don't recall it. Got him right here. Let me glance at it. Um, yes, he. Uh, no, he. Uh, yeah, he fought Chase Gormley. Okay, he beat, he beat Chase Gormley uh, by by TKO. Another first round. I don't remember much of it though. I don't know if that since since the fight with Ayala, <laughs> he's uh. He's now five and one 
five and one with one no con or no, I'm sorry, five and zero oh with a no contest, um, with all finishes. Uh, so yeah, and I know he's. Yeah. I know he had a, a submission finish overseas between between that that the Ayala fight and what we saw this weekend. But I mean, he's still like you said. I mean, it was very. Uh, the whole weekend uh, was uh, reminiscent of of uh, a pride card in the U.S. Um, with with uh, the heavyweight tournament and Karatanov Nelson. Um, you know, obviously, and the 208, uh, 207, 208 main event, just because it was heavyweight, it's a tournament format and they're heavyweights. Um, but yeah, I, speaking of which, uh, later on, uh, I'll attach to the audio of this. I, uh, interviewed Lee Daly who wrote the, the fall of pride book, the, his, um, the book about pride fighting championships. We had him on uh, about a month ago and just for folks listening, um, that interview is going to be at the end of me and Matt talking. Um, just because uh, everything kind of fell together. The book got released the same week of Bellator 207 and 208. It's, it was all coincidental, all coincidental and nothing was planned. Yeah, I'm curious to uh, curious to read that book and get, get a review from you. Um, I know you got your copy, so. Yeah. Um, you know, everything, it looks pretty damn cool, what, I, what I've seen about it, so. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, so then uh, that night uh, concluded. There it is. That <laughs> night concluded with the uh, the heavyweight Grand Prix semifinal uh, between Matt Mitrione and Ryan Bader. Um, I you know I think Bader fought the smart fight, took down Mitrione, and uh, just grappled, wrestled him to death for uh, for three full rounds, uh, winning a unanimous decision. Uh, what thirty twenty four, thirty twenty five. 3026, something like that. Um, just total domination. Yeah. Uh, Mitrione really didn't, I don't think he landed a punch. Uh, was on his back for, you know, 14 minutes and 50 seconds out of a 15 minute fight. So it was, it was a smart fight by Bader. Um, not really the fight necessarily that I think the fans of Mohegan Sun were looking for, especially mm-hmm. coming off the Mitrione, uh, Roy Nelson bout, um, a couple months back. But, uh, but you, you can't really blame, blame Bader. He uh, fought a perfect fight. Didn't take, uh, like I said, a single punch. Still hasn't taken a single punch in this whole tournament. And uh, and he advances to the final. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the thing about guys that come from wrestling that are used to doing, you know, multiple matches in one day. That's so, that's the smart way to, to move forward in a tournament of this format. You know, it's not like Pro Fight League where you have to go balls to the wall and get a, a finish any way you can and risk it all so to advance you know this is a long game he's not fighting again the next night but you know he's obviously wants to stay injury free and his wrestling i put the video on twitter from his open workout uh, from uh, fight week um just before that event and he did that drill uh if you check my twitter handle if, the video on there if you check the drill that he did i mean that's pretty much what he did to matt mitrione in that fight and and a man that size moving that fast and just taking all your balance from you. I don't know if I don't know if you can train for that when you have other things to worry about like getting punched and kicked and and God knows what else. So, I mean, well, obviously you can train for it, but Bader obviously has trained to the point that it's it's going to be hard to keep up with. And I think that's going to be a problem for your boy. <laughs> well, Leia, we can get to that. Um a real quick before we uh uh get off of a uh, 207 uh you uh, did you watch the prelims for 207 yeah i think i caught some of them what uh what was standing out for you 
the six second knockout, Mike Kimball. He's a oh yeah yeah I did catch yeah. that. Yeah, that was a that was um that's his second K, first round KO. I feel like he's 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 on that the new murderer's row of like him and like these young up and comers. Him, Aaron Pico, AJ McKee. You know, like uh, Bellator is doing a really good job of not just grabbing up uh, UFC. You know, like well known names. They're they're they are really finding like young talent that can that can put in work and and this kid's definitely one of them because he he's 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 in he's in it for the long haul I, uh the post fight interviews also on a youtube channel and he pretty much when you hear him talk I mean, he might come off as cocky but he's definitely in it for the long haul oh it's easy to be cocky when you knock somebody out in six seconds I mean, can't, <laughs> yeah. can't, can't hold that against the kid but um i want to make a quick comment on bader you know uh a lot of the guys that leave ufc uh Get, get called washouts or you know couldn't cut it in the big leagues and um you know you got guys like musashi who come in and and they could win in any world any weight class any any promotion in the world you know bader i think is you know i haven't always been a fan of his um his style hasn't always been uh something that i've necessarily always clamored to watch um but you're talking about a guy uh who's 20 he's what he's 25 and 5 now and his five losses are to uh, Rumble Johnson, the Uber Rumble Johnson, the you know uh, Glover, Machida, uh, John Jones, and Tito Ortiz. Yeah, you know his own. He's he's you know he, he you know he's on like a what he's on like a nine fight win streak now or yeah one two three. yeah six fight win streak after after the UFC basically. Uh, well, not if they let him go. He still won two fights in the UFC, um, but uh, you know, just an under underappreciated uh, fighter that, if he was in the UFC right now, uh, would 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 be you know probably number three ranked behind uh, Jones and 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 Gustafson uh, right now at light heavyweight. Uh, if you take Cormier out of the mix, so um, yeah. you know, really an under underappreciated guy who's who's got a chance now to to make a a, a huge name for himself and, and and get his first world championship. Um, with that said, you moved on to Saturday. Uh, so you you took the uh, what? You take the train to Connecticut, and then the, the train back to New York, and then the bus to Long Island, or the the, <laughs> the train to Long dude, Island. <laughs> dude, that, that was the worst thing about it all. I mean, even if you took so there was a bus that that I know some media hitched a ride, um, or I don't know if they took I don't know if they hitched a ride or took a separate bus. You'd have to ask like Cutman Matt or somebody, but um, because uh. You, you saw me and so you saw the in the in between of that uh nolan king and i grabbed some Krispy cream donuts after uh, uh bellator 207 and apparently there was boxes of them along with the bellator crew and a bus heading back to long island i think there's like a 150 mile trip but uh, from what i heard they didn't get they didn't get to new york till five o'clock in the morning so i'm glad i did what i did which was sleep in connecticut and um take an early train well, supposed to be an early train back in the morning and uh, get to New York. I got to New York. I got a, a decent amount of sleep, got to New York, um, New York City, went to Brooklyn, dropped my stuff off at, at where I slept at my friend's house. And then around the afternoon, I took an Uber to Long Island to uh, Nassau Coliseum, which is like, it may as well be at the end of the earth, Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> Just because, I mean, it's on Long Island. So if you look at if you look at a map, Long Island is a Long Island. That's why they call it Long Island. And they're kind of like on the far further end 
So it's 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 like it was like a forty minute drive out from Brooklyn in my Uber that I took, and um, I mean I got there right on time for a media check in, but um, it was definitely uh, it was definitely a rough weekend. I mean, Scott Coker kept giving accolades to everybody on 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 the staff. They don't have as many employees as the UFC has, and for them to put together back to back. Uh, huge cards like that. I mean, they really did a, an awesome, awesome job. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that sounds like a you know, it's a busy weekend. But like we said earlier, that's that's you know, that's what we uh, that's what we live for when you're you know a big fight fan and you're not traveling around for a uh, you know a smaller promotion. Yeah. You're you're uh, traveling around for for the number two uh, promotion in the world and and uh, getting a chance to to watch some of the top fighters um, in the history of the sport. Um, that main card kicked off with uh, Henry Corrales, uh, now 16 and three, got the knockout win over Andy Main. Uh, really exciting back and forth fight. Uh, you know, a lot of action. Corrales pretty much controlled it, but uh, but uh, just a, you know, a good fight to kick the card off and 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 get the night going. Yeah, that was a good uh, back and forth fight. Um, there was a uh, there was a two women that fought Jessica Chang and Jessica Ruiz. I mean Jennifer Chang and Jessica Ruiz. Sorry on the prelims and uh, Jennifer was an Olympian. I forgot what sport I, I, I have to look into her, but they both had their pro debut and she won Cheng won via TKO. So it's worth watching. Cause she looks like they're good. She's going to be the next uh, female fighter. They push. She's also 115 pounder, which is a division they don't really have. So it makes me wonder if Bellator is going to, going to uh, do a straw weight division and make a title and all that for it. But, um, the, that was uh, the fight where Ruiz didn't take punches very well, but it looked like she did some severe damage to her knee. Yeah, which might have kind of led to that because I, 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 yeah, I noticed her looking down at the knee and and uh, and they had to help her out of the cage. Um, I think they mentioned on the uh, broadcast that maybe she had a some some kind of damage prior to the fight. So uh, yeah, you know. I asked about it. I mean, uh, I don't think I uploaded that interview yet. It either but I asked her you know if if it had something to do with the knee but she actually she was under the impression that when because uh Ruiz apparently kept saying okay okay kind of like I'm, I'm I'm giving up I'm giving up and and she just kept I mean she wanted to stop Cheng said she wanted to stop but she was like I can't obviously you, you, the ref has to intervene for me to stop officially so she just kept hitting her and then that's how the stoppage came yeah, no, I mean you can't blame the fighter for that, and and you can't, you know, when you have a debuting fighter, if you know, they, I know Twitter was kind of giving her a hard time about turning away from the punch, and yeah. and uh, but you have a debuting fighter. Um, well, Twitter can be awful. <laughs> oh, Twitter can be awful, and that's uh, that's what I'm getting at. You know, somebody blows their knee out and uh, and finds himself getting punched. Yeah, you nice, know, nice knee jerk. You know, yeah, you know, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard for me to. Uh, yeah. To, to really criticize somebody that, um, you know, it, it, without the knee situation, it obviously wouldn't have looked really good. And you'd be going, Hey, she, she probably shouldn't be fighting in the cage, but, um, but with the knee issue, uh, hopefully she heals up, gets another chance to prove yeah. herself. If, if that's something she wants to pursue. Um, the next fight though, on the main card was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, we yeah. talked about you needing the, uh, the trash bags, uh, for the Gallagher sledgeomatic of blood. <laughs> yeah. um, last week and, and the Antoli uh, Tokov um, Alexander Slomenko fight really didn't live up to it. Uh, Tokov controlled the whole fight and, and ended up winning the easy uh, unanimous decision. Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I've been watching Slomenko fight for so long. Like um, I was, I was actually, when I was, when we were in long Island, um, 
Kyle Carroll that does Carol Corner, Carol's Corner MMA podcast was sitting next to me. And I said to him, I said, I said, we're going to get at least three spinning back fists out of Slomenko in this fight. And we got four. <laughs> <laughs> but none of them really landed. Like, you, uh, you know. None of them really landed. And like the later ones, I want to say the last two, they were they, they seemed kind of fatigued. I mean, I know Slomenko's been fighting for a while. I mean, he's 56, well, 56 and 12 now with that after that fight. But it's like it, it was definitely like I actually said to him, I was like, now we get to watch these Russian hammers go at it. <laughs> but that, yeah. I, like, I like the fight, man. I mean, not for nothing. Those guys, they really, they, they, they both gave it their all. Well, they're both great fighters. Uh, Tokov is a really a uh, potential future star. You know, he's twenty-seven-three now. Um, you start getting a chance to promote a guy with that record. Um, you know, and he, and he did with a win off Shlomenko. He's he's one or two more big big wins away from uh, from a potential. Uh, you know, title contention. Um, we're talking about title contentions, the next fight moved on to the heavyweight bout that we talked about last week uh, with Timothy mm-hmm. Johnson and Chet Congo. And um, my God, Chet Congo just uh, outclassed him and, and had a quick one minute uh, knockout. Um, seven wins in a row for Congo. Uh, not always the most exciting fighter, but his last uh, couple wins against Ayala and, and now Johnson have, uh, have both been brutal, brutal, devastating knockouts. So curious to kind of see how, uh, where Congo goes. And, uh, you know, seems like he's got a little chip on his shoulder for not getting included in the tournament, which uh, I think pretty much anybody who, who follows Bellator would have thought that he would have been a shoe in to be, be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, no, he definitely, uh, he definitely mentioned it more than a few times after and leading up to the fight. Um, he was asked about it at, at the press conference. If you go to Bellator's YouTube channel, you can watch the entire press conference. But um, he definitely, uh, he's definitely let it be known, like you know, like what about me? You know, like uh, I don't know if it's because of his age they kind of rid him off or, or whatever the case may be. But uh, finishing a dude like that, I mean, he's definitely not. He's definitely worthy of a. Uh, Keeping up, keeping up in the, in that mid tier level of main events. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if he's he's always been known for not having the best chin and kind of keeping his chin up high, but if he's well, able he, to, he had a back injury too. Like, didn't he have like back surgery or something? I remember when he was in the UFC and he fought Crow Cop. He talked about how he thought he was going to get knocked out because he just got over some really bad back issues, and and that's when he beat Crow Cop. I, I mean. I, I hope I'm not confusing him with someone else. You'd know better than me. But. That that might be the case. I'm just saying after the Crow Cop fight, um, he uh, let me pull it up. I know he had some. I know uh, Roy Nelson. It just seemed like he got to a point where he was. Uh, guys were kind of just blasting him. I mean, he had tough fights. He fought Kane, Mir, uh, yeah, Mark Hunt, Roy Nelson. Well, maybe not as bad as I as thought. I guess maybe the back to back or not. You know, two out of three fights. Um, Hunt and, and Nelson turned his lights out rather quick. Um, so maybe that just kind of changed it. But as far as when he got to Bellator, he lost a really close decision to the, the champ at the time, Vitaly Minkoff. And, uh, and he lost a split decision to uh, King Mo Lawal, who, who had moved up to heavyweight to fight him. So I think that's the reason probably why he didn't get in the tournament. I think probably, probably King Mo took the last spot and, yeah. and it probably came down to his win, win over him. Um, which, uh, which is almost a shame. I, uh, you know, in hindsight, looking back now, I mean, you thought Mo Bader was going to be kind of a, a back and forth brawl, but uh, would have been quite interesting to see uh, 
to see Ryan Bader against somebody like Congo, kind of a bigger, stronger, yeah. a, a guy with a little bit more of a wrestling, you know, uh, a pedigree or, you know, not so much a pedigree cause he comes from a kickboxing background, but somebody who's really used MMA wrestling uh, pretty damn successful in his career. So. Yeah. And like you said about King Mo, I actually, I actually thought it would have, he would have been with somebody that made it to, uh, you know, the semifinals at least. And uh, when Bader beat him, I don't know. I mean, uh, King Mo had a rough, uh, a busy 2015, I should say. So maybe that caught up to him and that's why, that's why we haven't seen him. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it just, I mean, it worked out for Bader. He got to go up against Mo. He got the quick punch. Um, when you looked at the the brackets initially, that wasn't a fight you thought would end like that, but uh, yeah. it worked out, and and uh, and he avoided, you know, maybe having to fight a Congo or or, or a potential bigger heavyweight in that fight, and then um, and, and then it kind of worked out for him in the semis too. He got the the favorable matchup with Mitrione. Um, Roy Nelson fight and Ryan Bader would would be one that I'd be interested in. Uh, you know, it's another one of those uh, style fights where I, I don't know if, uh, if uh, Nelson or uh, I'm sorry, if Bader can take down Nelson, um, you know, so that would have been, it would have, it, it's just how the tournament works out. You know, it, it, uh, it kind of turned out favorable for him and um, you know, we'll get to the final here of 208, but uh, before we get to that, uh, we had the co-main event uh, with Benson Henderson and, and one of our, uh, one of our alumni from the show, uh, Syed Awad, um, Things didn't go for a wad, wad's way that night. He lost a uh, unanimous decision to uh, Henderson, who who looked really good. There was some controversy in the fight. Yeah, um, and I know they're having some back and forth on Twitter. Um, but yeah, uh, I talked to a wad about it. I mean, he's not trying to be like overly butthurt about it, but he's definitely uh, he's you know he's he's usually somebody that does all his his talking in in, in the cage. But um, that's why he put that thing out on Twitter because he just wanted to let. Let it be known he's not going to be this guy that that stays quiet anymore. I mean he's he's always kind of like right there. Obviously his co co main event, and they always kind of have him floating right around that co main event status as long as he's been fighting in, in Bellator. You know what I mean? Like like I don't blame him for being upset. He was saying something during the fight too. Um, you know he was talking to uh he, he was pointing things out to the ref and and wanted it to be uh <clears throat> called on, but it's just like I don't know, man. I mean. I kind of, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like uh, maybe some favoritism was given there, but I know Benson Henderson's not really a jerk either, so um, I don't know, man. I, 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 it, I, I thought Awad fought a good fight either way. Um, I, obviously, Henderson's grappling and wrestling uh, was a little bit much for him because uh, I mean he did have, have the good shots. He dropped him that one time with that one punch. But Henderson's really elusive. I mean, sometimes you wonder if if he falls to engage the ground game. I felt like he did that against Koreshkov too when when he first fought him. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just one of those things. It, it you know, I don't think Henderson's a, a, a cheap fighter per se. Um, I do I do look forward to having a wad back on the show again, uh, hopefully sooner than later to to maybe discuss it a little bit. But um, it just you know. It's it's the sport of MMA, you know. You you lose, you know, and and uh, that's why getting title shots are so uh, so valuable when you get them, and that's why you see guys waiting for them. And and um, you know, Awad had a, had a solid solid run at a time where where Bellator's uh, lightweight division is just off the chain right now. So you know, it it just worked out where you just had to keep fighting these guys, and uh, eventually the the you know the loss came, but. Um, you know, no, no shame in, in losing a decision decision to uh, Benson Henderson, and I'm I'm sure he'll be back. And um, you know, 
seems like Bellator has been pretty good to the guy, so hopefully they give him another good fight and give him a chance to jump right yeah. back into the mix. I found it odd that he didn't do media afterwards, especially after he said what he said uh, about, um, you know, the uh, the whole thing where he kind of like took that shot at Khabib and his actions and talked about. I mean, which I agreed with what he said. He had a really positive message, and uh, I don't know what the hell the problem with why people. I mean, probably because we were in Long Island. New York, but they, you know, they booed the positive message he was trying to send. I know, obviously, uh, well, obviously, there's a, there's a big Russian crowd there too. I don't know if that came across on the broadcast, but the Fedor had a lot of fans there. Yeah, he he, he travels pretty well. Uh, he gets a nice contingent of uh, of Russians from local. And surprised and- you didn't fly in so you could you could uh, be all up in his face with your sweater and and your nonsense. Oh, I mean, I got the shirt on today. You know, it's it's Fedor week. You know, the the sweater can be worn with pride for for the next uh, few months for sure. And uh, you know, I obviously mentioning that that brings us to the main event where uh, where Fedor did his thing, got the TKO victory uh, about four minutes into the first round against Chael Sonnen, um, dropped him with the first punch. You know, seconds into the fight and. Uh, you know, uh, there was a little bit of back and forth. Sonnen showed more heart than I, I generally would would give him credit for, and uh, and and he um, he actually managed to get a takedown um, before being reversed. But uh, by the time he got a chance to really kind of mount any offense, I think he was too far gone from the the early shots and the and the the rejections of his his initial half dozen takedowns or so. Yeah, I mean. Um... I I figured I asked I asked it at the press conference. I mentioned again when I interviewed uh, Chael before the the fight happened that his game plan and it's it is the best game plan right now for Fedor is to try to weather that storm or avoid that. You know, I wouldn't. I mean, I would I would say if you're not as good a wrestler as Ryan Bader is, or even well, Chael's a really good wrestler, and um, he actually did show like like it didn't look like uh. Uh, Fedor had an answer to the very low single. You know, he did a low single on him and snagged up his leg, and that that made Fedor stumble a little bit. So, um, and um, so that he might have. He actually said that in the post fight press conference that he thinks he might have given Bader a thing or two to use in their match coming in January. But um, yeah, man, it's just like the guy obviously hits harder than most. Uh, you know, like uh, that the, was like the first first left hand he threw dropped Sonnen in, in that fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just quick. He, he you know his his chin's deteriorated. Um, his chin's about a third of what it used to be during his prime. Um, when he would just bounce his head off a concrete wall and 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 submit somebody fourteen seconds later. But uh, you know, he's quick. But he's um, quick, and he, and and uh. I think I think the power he must pack some kind of ungodly power for for uh, amongst the heavyweights to put dudes to sleep when or just drop them when he touches them. Obviously, Sonnen Sonnen survived the first one, but I mean the rest of them. He actually did say like when he when the finish came, he that's why he covered up. He thought he thought either I could last this out or the ref's going to stop it. But he said it like he felt that he said I felt them getting lighter as as the as the punches were coming, but. Obviously, all the ones before that hurt like hell. Yeah, and I, I think you know, you know, he, he, it's the way he throws them. I mean, he, he 
Fedor, you know, he can get all, all he, hips. <laughs> he can get, yeah, it, it's hips and it, the whip he throws on his yeah. punches is just, you know, it's what gets him in trouble though sometimes too because they're it, low, it, yeah, they're low, and and if he telegraphs it, um, a real a great striker can throw a quick straight punch and and uh, and and do some damage to him. Um, it, but what Angelo Reyes told us when when we spoke to him, and I I tried to drop that little diamond in Chael's ear when I talked to him. As I was telling you before we recorded, but I guess you know when when fighters have their camp that they've been doing for months in a game plan, um, you know they're they're going to stick to what they've been practicing for months before, especially when you're fighting at that level at that point of a tournament. But, yeah, um, I mean, there, I don't think Sonnen at this point in his career could train enough striking. Um, he's never been really a striker. He's landed some punches in his career. I know he dropped Anderson Silva, and you know he, he surprised some guys. Um, but, uh, you know, he, his game plan was accurate. I just, he was too aggressive for me. You know, you, you, you want to put pressure on Fedor and, and that was his uh, thing. But I, I think in hindsight, he probably would have been better off to kind of lay back a little bit and try to counter, um, maybe yeah. an, ankle, an ankle pick or, a, or, a, you know, even, even diving in, you know, you're not going to dive in at Fedor necessarily, but you know, you get him a little off balance, throwing one of those big punches, and then, and then drop your level down low and, and, yeah. and get to his legs. I think that would have been a little bit more as opposed to coming in. Uh, I would even, I would down. even suffice it to say, like, like you know, g- give Fedor a round decision, run from him a little, run from him in the first round, let him let him tire himself out, and then and then try everything you meant to try rounds two, three, four, and five, or however long it goes. You know, at this stage in his career, I think that if you're not a great wrestler. You know what I mean, and 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 but you have great footwork. That might be the way. That might be the way to go. I don't think obviously Bader's not going to do that, but I felt like I felt like Sonnen could have done that. And I know he had a better game plan, but that first he even said when that first punch dropped him, that's what it made him say, "Let me just go toe to toe with this guy." Yeah, I think he knew at that point he was on borrowed time. I mean, you know, you just can't at that point. He didn't have the 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 wherewithal to be able to to dance around and 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 come up with a new game plan. Um, and that's the thing with Fedor when he, you know, he hits people, he, he's become a, a heavy striker towards the latter part of his career. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I mean, you got to see it live. Um, I've seen him live five or six times and, you know, it's where, you know, it, you kind of got a taste of what it was like, you know, if, if you just went to that fight as a fan and, you know, it's hard to watch him and not see his fights as exciting. I mean, it'd be hard to argue his two fights aren't the most exciting two fights in this tournament. In fact, I, I don't even think you could really, I, you know, even though the, they've only lasted a minute and, and four minutes, I, there hasn't been another fight in this tournament that I think is anywhere near the excitement of his first two. Um, and, and each had, had a little moment of drama in both of them. You know, Mir put him down on his butt for a second and, and uh, Sonnen managed to get a takedown and, uh, and gain mount even for, for a couple seconds. So, it, you know, it's, uh, I, I just think he's an exciting fighter and, uh, you know, and he's a humble dude who, who shows respect. And, yeah. you know, he didn't hop the cage and start beating the hell out of uh, <laughs> you know, uh, out of the Oregon, uh, you know, uh, crew there. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely like you would if if you've never if you walked into walked into him on the bumped into him on the street, rather, you would think he's just some dude that like makes fucking hot dogs out, out of a cart or something that doesn't really work out all that much. And and. You know, just a big guy. I mean, the I I had the opportunity to speak to him a bunch of times already, and every time I talk to him, um, like it never hits me. After that, I just got to 
have a conversation and shake hands with with uh, one of the guys that I've looked up to before I even thought about covering the sport or, or having this podcast or anything like that. But every every single time, it's like usually when I get back to my hotel room or when I get home, I'm just like, holy shit! I just I just talked to Fedor and and laughed about uh, artwork or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just like and he's and he is somebody that that enjoys like he laughs at some of the stupid questions he gets asked. It's just like it's weird. He's just like he, he's almost like a, a kid, a shy kid at school, you know, that that can knock you into oblivion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the kid that you pick on and regret it later. Well, he's he's you know he's a throwback fighter to what the sport kind of came up on. I mean, you know, Hoist Gracie had had a little bit of a mean streak in him, and and uh, but you had guys like Severn and Tektarov, and you know, all those guys were it was different bare knuckle no rules era, but. You know, a lot of those guys were kind of the quiet. They did their talking in the cage. They were fighters. You know, Fedor's a fighter. He's not there to do interviews necessarily. Um, he speaks a lot better English than than he lets on. He kind of pulls the Anderson Silva gig, where he brings in a translator to kind of, you know, so he can he can answer about a yeah. third of the questions. And, he actually and, said he understands everything everyone says, but he's not confident in his speaking. That's uh-huh. and that's why that uh, translator's there. He does like like. Um, if you notice, if you watch his face, you can go back and watch any other press conference he's done in the U.S. He, some of the weird things he starts laughing because he does understand it. He just doesn't have the, you know, he doesn't have he doesn't have the possession of the English language to come back with a quip that he'd like. He can do it better through a translator. Yeah, and I, that probably has something to do with his pride and, and doesn't want to doesn't want to say something that makes yeah. him sound foolish and stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just. You know, for me as a huge fan and just the opportunity that he's, you know, now he's coming out to the West Coast for the final. And obviously Ryan Bader poses. Yep. Tickets uh, go on sale this Friday. They go on sale for me tomorrow, brother. I'm already, <laughs> <laughs> I've already got the ticket there, the the clock ticking to go pick nice. him up. So, um, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a great opportunity to watch a legend of the sport fight again and, and to see him having some success. Um at a time where a lot of people had written him off. I think it's cool. I think it's great for Bellator that he made the final. Um, I think it's great for Coker considering all that Coker's invested in him and how it did kind you, of backfired. Did you interview uh, with Coker. I did for sure dog. No, I need to watch all where, those where he I, talked about uh, uh, wanting to do a uh, Horiguchi versus Caldwell. Yes. Right? Okay. I did see that one. Yeah. I mean that guy, uh, that guy, let me tell you something. The reason why we, 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 we like what Bellator is doing is because Scott Coker is probably the bigger fight fan between anybody that's been on this podcast. I mean, when I talked to him about old school, before I started recording, I mentioned Bruce Lee and stuff to him, and, and he lit up like a little kid. I mean, he the ideas he wants to do, he can't do yet, obviously, because the, cause the fan base isn't where where we are. You know what I mean? Um, you know, he's got bosses to answer to, but the, the stuff, like he said, he want, with, with the zone coming in, I mean, he said he would even do kickboxing, boxing, MMA, submission-only grappling, all in that in, in, inside the cage there, you know, like like the way they do, they do the, the Bellator kickboxing MMA events. He's willing to do it all in one night, like a big, huge dynamite event. Um, it's pretty cool. That the, the way he looks at fighting and what he wants to do, I mean, that guy's definitely probably, the, in my opinion, the best promoter in the sport. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of the guy, and I've attended – 30 plus of his promoted events. So, I mean, just a guy, you know, he's a, like you say, he's a fan of the sport and um, really gives the fans what they want. Um, you know, the UFC tries Dana White talks, but 
you still don't get some of those fights that, you know, and it's hard to say that coming off the huge Connor Khabib fight, a fight that, that people were, were, would have, you know, was a dream fight, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it, you know, just for me, like I said, him getting Fedor into the finals, uh, you know, he brought in Fedor to strike force at a time when, when Fedor was a free agent years back and, uh, it didn't pay off for him. So to see him kind of getting some value back out of Fedor and Fedor getting a chance to get some big wins and, um, and a chance at a world championship. I mean, if Fedor wins this Grand Prix and is the is the Bellator heavyweight champion, um, you know, as a, I would, I would hope you would ride off into the sunset after that. Probably won't happen. But um, I mean, talk about a talk about a storybook ending to a great, great MMA fighter's career. I mean, whether you think he's the greatest or whether you think he's the fifth greatest or the you know third greatest fighter of all time, uh, it would be you'd be hard pressed to to even you have an argument with me where you didn't find him in the top five, top six, all time, all weight class, you know, fighters in the history of the sport. And yeah. Somebody who's always carried himself with dignity and, and uh, showed a lot of respect. And you know what, you know, what's funny. It's just weird how, 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 I don't know. You can call it karma or fate or whatever you want to call it. Like I talked about it with daily, uh, which, which you guys will hear later about just like the coincidence of how his book came out along the line with a, a fate or fight week. And, um, but like, when Chael started his podcast, he used to bash uh, Fedor all the time. And, and you know, he didn't know he was going to wind up fighting him. And after fighting him, even he said himself, like, when he faced – if you notice his trash talk, his trash talk that he normally does, like, well, he's, or his truth talk, he says he doesn't talk trash, he talks truth. But he didn't do what he – like, the stuff he did with Anderson Silver, Wiley, all that stuff, he didn't really do that with Fedor. He did a little bit, but as if you compared it, he didn't do that much because even he said – you know, like there's something about standing in front of the guy, knowing you're going to fight him, that that changes your your mentality and and the power that he has in his punches was something that he was concerned with right up until he fought him, and and that concern was you know verified obviously when when they fought that first punch that dropped him, and he actually said I don't know if you saw the post fight stuff that they put on social media where where Fedor gave Chael his uh, tracksuit and stuff yeah yeah. And like, like he he kept saying to me, he's like, "Why'd you hit me so hard? You hit me like I did something wrong." You know. <laughs> no, I thought I thought uh, you know I gotta give respect where it's due. I thought Chael was great after the fight. Um, I thought his interviews with ESPN. I thought all of his interviews were really spot on. I thought he was real honest about his assessment of you know how the fight went and 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 just told the truth. Didn't like he said, didn't badmouth him. Didn't try to create some fake drama. No. He, uh, he just he just came out straight up like a man and and said the dude hit me hard as a as I've ever been hit and um and it threw my game plan off and I got my ass kicked you know yeah. and and that's you know when you hear Chael Sonnen talk like that that's the Sonnen that that I'm a fan of you know mm-hmm. the other stuff the you know telling Nog Nogera to put a carrot in front of a bus and all that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know that that's the stuff that you know might might get a chuckle or something and and, yeah. and it's funny for a minute but um it gets old with me, you know, I put up or shut up in the cage. I, I you know, Sonnen's two and, you know, uh, what is he? Well, two and two and, uh, one now in his last three, he's got wins over Vanderlei and, and rampage. Um, but he lost, lost to, uh, to Fedor and Ortiz. Yeah. He lost, he lost Ortiz, but, um, you know, I, I think a matchup with King Mo, I think a matchup with, uh, if, if Bader possibly loses, uh, to Fedor, uh, that yeah. that's a fight that they can make. I mean, he's he's still marketable. Um, no, he's still marketable. He still wants to fight, and he's obviously got the fight in him. I mean, uh, you know, he did. He 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 actually, if you look at Fedor's wins, recent wins, he did better than 
than you know other other people uh you know I mean, obviously not as good as Mitrione, but you know he he did he did better than like you said than anyone thought he would do. So I think uh, he deserves some credit too. And um, you know it's funny like he um, Shale kept on hinting at the way MMA, especially in my check my interview with him where he talks about how how MMA fighters and fans like the the whole mentality of the and the and uh, he he kind of says that they they've gotten soft. Fighters and fans have gotten soft as far as like the way fighters take fights and and you know complain about money and stuff because he he's coming from an era, uh, you know you know that you as long as you've been watching you know where these guys would fight for five hundred bucks you know what I mean they just they just wanted fights and he's so that's where he comes from and uh, in my interview with Daly we talk about like you know when when Fedor is done when Wanderlei is done when Rampage is done you know. Um, when Crow Cop's done, uh, like that's going to be the true the true end to the Pride era that's still kind of like lingering about. You know, we the last few events we've seen that have had like any Pride level t- like stuff. You see the hashtag. I don't. I always put it out there. Pride never dies, especially when Fedor wins. But it's going to be like I don't know. It'll be bittersweet when when you don't say that anymore. Yeah. No. It. It. And. In the last, uh, it's been like the last three weeks. There's been a heck of a run. I think they went six and two um, with some of those legends. You got Caraton off Fedor, uh, Rampage. Although he beat Vanderlei, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Hunt uh, lost a fight, um, and, and I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting some other people. But uh, you know, they, they, you know, it's just great fighters in the sport, and and they've all went through some ups and downs, like every every fighter in the sport has. Um, you know, and, and that's what makes Fedor's record incredible in itself, uh, being 38 and five now. I mean, at a heavyweight, um, one of those losses was was not even really a loss. It was, you know, I don't want to get into that with uh, Kosaka, um, his first loss of his career. But you know, you, you it's just amazing, uh, and, and you really learn how, how how good some of these guys are. And uh, you know, and, and like I said, it's just great to see him uh, continuing on in their career. Um, you mentioned hopefully Bellator as well. Uh, Today, DAZN signed uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, to an exclusive uh, broadcasting uh, contract to show uh, the rest of or the next. I think it's four or five Canelo Alvarez fights, so uh, that could do huge numbers. Uh, at least help with the subscriptions for uh, for uh, DAZN. Um, I'm, think- I'm in the beginning of 2019. I'm just waiting for for when the UFC's contract ends with FS1. Then I'm just gonna. Cut, cut my cable and, and go uh go my a la carte i'll have fight pass i'll have the zone and uh and sling tv or whatever the hell it is and that'll be it for me yeah no it, it'll you know and then you then you'll have to get that espn plus and you gotta have fight pass still but yeah i mean there's there's still there's still uh but i you know i would think that you're gonna get a lot of boxing fans i mean he's one of the top pay-per-view sellers in the in the united states uh I think he's number two, right behind uh, Floyd Mayweather. So yeah, and there's I, I, has, uh, Matchroom Boxing, World Boxing Super Series, and just adding him to all of that, that they've, they've got a, a a huge part of the market. Yeah, I mean, I've I've watched uh, I watched the Super Series fight um, or event uh, from Russia on uh, I think it was Saturday morning. Um, I watched the Joshua fight uh, a couple weeks back. Um, you know, it's. it's you know, if you're a fight fan you, and you don't have anything better to do, even if it's boxing that you're not really so sure of, you know, um, the production is great. And uh, I think it's a great value. Um, they added KSW 
I watched that event on it. Global um, Fight Nights or something they added to. I, right? I heard they did. I haven't. I don't see it on my app, so I'm not sure if that's a regional thing or if it just hasn't updated or perhaps it has. I haven't checked it in the last two days or so, uh, but I didn't notice it uh, over uh, over the weekend. Um, but flight, yeah, Fight Night Global. If that if that would be that would be a huge one to pick up. Um, if they can get Ryzen. Uh, if they can get like K one, if they can get Ryzen and K one, <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe uh, maybe Shudo or, or if they got uh, Ryzen right now, I would sign up right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean you get Ryzen uh, again, Ryujima. I mean they have Combate Americas already on the zone too. They got Combate yeah. Americas. Uh, Amanda Serrano picked up that win over the weekend. Yeah, I saw Kinda that as well. Later. But uh, yeah, so my God, what a weekend for Bellator! Uh, what a weekend for. Uh, Pride Never Die, Fedor Karatana for Russia, uh, coming off the heels of uh, Khabib's big win uh, the previous weekend. It's been a hell of a seven, eight-day run for uh, for Russia in MMA. And uh, for yourself, man, you, you survived. And now you get to look forward to uh, to my ass coming out to New York in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I still – I'm not done. I got PFL 10 this weekend in D.C. Wow. It's the last of the semifinals. I think it's the welterweights and uh, – I forgot who's left. Welterweights in another weight class. You know, they all fight twice in one night. I don't know if you watched. We actually watched had PFL nine playing on a on a tablet. Carol, Carol and I while we were watching Bellator two hundred eight. But uh, obviously, the live event kept us more more engaged. Um, speaking of which, if, if if people there's a, a there's an app. A pro fight league has an app that streams the entire event, and the quality is absolutely perfect. And it's weird because it's like a weird trivia game type of app, but you don't even have to take part in that. Just watch the events there. I mean, on, on his tablet, it looked great. My old-ass phone, which is a Galaxy Note 3, and it, it looks great on this. Um, it's really uh, it's really, it's really, really worth downloading, and it's free. So obviously, you know, if you, if you feel like watching, that's their, that's their app. Just watch it. Like, you can watch PFL event when you're out and about. So. I, I didn't know they had an app. I'm gonna have to look into that. Um, I, I tweeted uh, into it. I'll, I'll, uh, and and we can like friend each other in it and have like little bets, like little virtual currency bets or some shit like that. Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I figure after this weekend, maybe next week, uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up on all the PFL stuff. Uh, we got so caught up in Bellator, but uh, they had their big event in Long Beach uh, this past weekend with the lightweights and light heavyweights. Um, so we'll after this weekend, we'll know the finals that are set for uh, New Year's Eve in. Uh, in uh, MSG there uh, in your part of town. Uh, And then, like I mentioned, uh, we got UFC 230 coming up on uh, my 40th birthday, November 3rd. Uh, We, I don't think we mentioned it last week or news broke after our show, but uh, they added Daniel Cormier uh, versus Derek uh, black beast Lewis for the main event for the heavyweight world title. Yeah. Uh, And we were uh, a lot of the media folk were talking about that. The day of open with that news, that news came out, like you said, after we recorded, which was the when the day they had the open workouts over here in New York for the Bellator events we just talked about, and um, it was just weird. I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, Derek Lewis said he's not ready for a title shot when he won at 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 two twenty nine, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to feel about. It. You know, I figure we'll get more into it. Uh, my initial thought is that you just don't turn down a title fight, um, considering True. that considering that he was pretty much getting his ass handed to him uh, for 14 out of 15 minutes against uh, Volkov. Um, I think he's on borrowed time fighting the top five heavyweights in UFC. Um, I think right now he needs to strike while he strike while it's hot, um, take the title fight. Um, 
I think his best chance of beating Daniel Cormier is on three, three, four weeks notice. Um, I think a full camp Cormier uh, beats him 10 out of 10 times. Um, I think a three or four week uh, Cormier uh, has a chance of maybe losing one or two times in that, in that 10 fight. So, you know, it's a fight that was needed to get added. Unfortunately, we were, uh, you know, being an MMA fan, things that never work out like you expect you get the news of a heavyweight uh, world title fight added and then you get bashed in the face with the uh the fight everybody was looking to uh nate diaz uh dustin poirier uh getting uh getting shelved uh, <laughs> due to an injury yeah, so yeah. it was one of those things where you get news for three minutes and then three minutes later you uh you know you like you said you take a frying pan to the forehead uh <laughs> being a fan of this sport you know it's just <laughs> yeah you know, so yeah, we've talked about it though. It'll it's 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 worth it. You're coming out here for for what's this the th- your third time coming to New York for MMA? I mean, Three. which is which is like a, a a you know it's in itself that's special, given that the sport the sport was banned in New York for for so long. So. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. The card's still solid. Let's just cross our fingers that nothing happens. Um, I'm a huge Chris Weidman fan, so getting uh, getting a chance to see the New Yorker uh, possibly uh, avenge one of his his title fight losses years ago to uh to luke rockholt um israel adesanya i have yet to see him fight live um but he's due for a spectacular knockout um and brunson uh is the kind of opponent that could potentially give that to him um and then get a chance to see jacare uh don't think uh yeah i've seen i saw jacare fight in strike force haven't seen him fight in ufc so it's been a while and uh you know he's one of the guys that i've enjoyed watching for a decade now so um getting a chance to see him fight live again will be will be nice and uh you know it's it's new york ticket prices ended up dropping so it was a it was a reasonably priced event for coming across country and uh you know like i said i don't care if it turns out to be ufc on pbs ufc on (laughs) ufc on fight pass ufc on you know closed circuit television just have the event uh you know, and and now even with Cormier possibly in a mismatch against uh, Lewis, you get a chance to see again, like you saw with Fedor this weekend, you'd see one of the true greats uh, that the sports ever had uh, in, in Daniel Cormier. Um, so you can't really ask for a whole lot more. I mean, you can, but you know, being a fan of this sport, you know, you you don't always get what you ask for or what you expect. So hopefully, it's a great night of fights, and we'll look forward to previewing that fully in the next uh, in the next week or two uh, leading up to the event and. Uh, Hopefully, when we get out to New York, we can do a, a live show from uh, from somewhere out there. Stupid ass anchor headquarters. Yeah, if they ever get back to me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, um, again, for folks listening to the audio version, Lee Daly uh, before a full history of Pride Fighting Championships. The full interview is coming up right after this. Thanks for listening, and um, uh, I guess that's it for me and Matt. Right. Yeah, uh, at Combat Hour on Twitter, at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram, at Carbazal on Twitter, and at Carbeerzal on Instagram. Check us out. Um, although the shirts are no longer available on teespring.com, if anybody is interested in a shirt, uh, feel free to reach out uh, uh, via Twitter. Uh, our uh, Gmail account is uh, combat at gmail.com. Uh, anybody interested in any merchandise or uh, supporting the show, or uh, being a guest on the show, uh, feel free to reach out and hit us up. Uh, until next time, Ed, uh, I'm going to live off this Fedor uh, momentum and, and look forward to talking to you again next week. Yes, sir. Peace. All 
All right, it's uh, Ed Carball here, the East Coast half of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. We have uh, returning uh, author Lee Daly, whose book has finally been released on Amazon, uh, Before a Fall, A History of Pride Fighting Championships. And uh, I just started reading it. So, uh, Lee, how's it going so far? How's the book release? Yeah, really, really pleased with it. And, um, yeah, like the most gratifying part of it has been just hearing feedback from people. Uh, People are really reacting really positively, you know. Um, you never know how these things are going to turn out, but so far it's been, um, it's been it's been really you know great to see the reaction. And also, you know, stuff I was looking for myself, things that I included in the book very consciously, you know, like uh, the history of Japan and, and how that influenced Pride. Uh, people are really telling me, you know, that that's that's kind of what what interested them with the book, and they're really reacting well to that. So it's so good to you know put something out there and get a reaction like that, you know. Yeah, and it's um you mentioned that and we were talking about it before we started recording. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Matt couldn't make it because uh, obviously with the time difference, uh, he couldn't get on air. I'm I'm probably going to record with him later, but um uh, the funny thing about it was obviously I just finished covering Bellator 207, Bellator 208, and Fedor just fought, and you know Fedor is kind of synonymous with Pride Fighting Championship. So um, did you? I, I'm pretty sure you didn't plan to release the release to fall in line with the week that he fought, it kind of just all came together or did you plan it? No, I, I think I was just blessed in, in terms of the timing. I mean, it wasn't just him, you know, Rampage and Vanderlei fought as well. It's, it's literally the, I think the week before it was released. Um, and yeah, it was just, uh, just, just timing. I mean, to be honest, you know, when you're a self-published author, um, unfortunately, you know, you don't have the capacity to just kind of let somebody else take care of these things. So right. I was kind of forced to kind of put it out there um, just because I've got other obligations I need to take care of and I wanted to get it out there and, and have people take care of it. But um, yeah, in terms of the significance of things and, and the time, the timing of it, yeah, it couldn't have worked out better in that respect. Um, and as I said on Twitter, I think just there, you know, it's crazy to think that Fedor dominated in fights uh, and he did dominate Chael. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's not just historical record. It's, it's, uh, it's news. So it's so crazy how these things kind of come full circle and, and yeah, really happy that whilst his legacy, I think, and I think he's fighting for his legacy is, uh, is on the line. Um, you know, it's so good to, to sort of have something out there that I, I feel captures a little bit of that legacy as well, you know? Yeah. And it, like I said, it really is a page turner. I, um, I know we had talked uh, privately before I, I left to hit the road to do the double events because both events were like 150 miles apart. So I spent a lot of time on trains and, and Uber and stuff like that just to get to uh, and both things and cover it. And um, I had mentioned to, to you or Matt, I forgot who I said it to, was uh, that I was going to read it on on my travels while I was stuck on a train. And uh, rushing to catch the first train, I forgot to book in my apartment. So I was like really upset because I knew I could have I knew I could have finished reading it because my what I was going to do was read it and, and gift it to Scott Coker. I don't know if you saw the interview I had with him, but he's really a hardcore fight fan. I feel like this book is something that he would really appreciate, especially if you saw. I don't know if you saw my the interview I did with him on Sure Dog, where he wants to have a, a Ryzen champ versus Bellator champ uh, type of event. Did you did you have a chance to see that or no? Uh, I, I didn't, but I, I do know they collaborate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're on good terms, and obviously the. the uh, Sakaki Barra that that used to run Pride runs uh, Ryzen and um, he put the challenge out there. The video's on my Twitter if you if you haven't seen it. I just I just put the clip of him calling out Sakaki Barra about like let's get this done. But you know like that's one of the things you mentioned in the book too about how they, they're uh, the transition from uh, 
like the entertainment spectacle that people uh, turned combat sports into, the chapter I'm in anyway. Um, uh, it's just like, uh, it seems like uh, Coker and Bellator has an appreciation for that type of MMA to, to, try, to, to try to introduce it to the, the current uh, fan base. And um, I feel like just with the success of the sport now, I feel like now is the right time to do it. And the book comes out at such a perfect time because now with Fedor fighting and, and winning, um, <clears throat> like you said, Rampage, and uh, I think people are going to ask, like, why do people keep bringing up Pride? Especially the new fans. Like, what's this, what's, what's this Pride thing to keep hearing about? And, and your book is kind of like right there for them to, uh, to learn about it. So I don't know if that was your plan, but it's definitely a – it's definitely a history book for MMA to add to the collection of, of the many that I've read. So thank you so much for writing it. Um, did What was the crowdfunding process like? I know towards the end of the year, it was a little bit sweating bullets for you. Yeah, I mean, um, it got there, you know, and uh, I gave myself a pretty ambitious target. You know, I gave myself three weeks and, and maybe four weeks would have been better. But no, I was just really, really grateful. There's a lot of, you know, great support from people like yourself, you know, who, and in fairness, you know, I, I'm owed nothing, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I really don't sort of see this as my right to, to kind of get attention or for people to put down their hard or money on, on the book. Um, you know, I just kind of put it out there as a fan and, and felt that I'd put, put effort into it and people were very generous in terms of their response. So that's what you saw with the crowdfund, you know, was, um, was people really kind of, digging into their pockets and, and, uh, and yeah, getting it over the line. And, and for me, you know, I, I, I haven't really done this for the money. Um, you know, it, it, it's good to get the project to wipe its own face, which it more or less has done. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it was just a real testament to power of, you know, if you want to want to kind of make something happen, go do it. You know, and for me, that was the primary motivation for the project. I, I wanted to read this book. That's why I wrote it, you know? So, um yeah it's really i'm really glad that it's out there and uh i think i think the real key as well is john sheehan who's the illustrator did a great job and so glad that he's um he's kind of brought you know his work has been brought forward a little bit he's a he's a really super guy and and deserves more attention too i think especially in the mma world yeah the uh i love the illustration for the first chapter i know folks listening to the audio version of this won't be able to see it but uh, right before chapter one, it's an illustration of Muhammad Ali and Antonio Inoki. Um, it's called the the birth of strong style, and I, just opening it up, it's it's really put together well. Um, I just like like I get I'm gonna I actually was reading, I interviewed uh, a, a, an author Dave Greenberg, uh, who wrote a book that we had we had on the podcast earlier, and I was about to finish his up, and uh, when your the copy you sent me came in the mail. I literally tossed that aside as soon as I opened it because I didn't know what it was. And sorry, Dave, if he listened to this, but um, I tossed it aside and I was like, "Man, this is the one." And um, again, I my my crazy week that I had covering Bellator, I didn't get to jump into it as fast as I wanted to. But uh, today I jumped into it, um, and uh, it's just great. It's a great book so far. So uh, did you get a chance to watch Bellator today? Yeah, I saw saw a bit of the highlights. Um, I, I just have seen basically only the main event. Um, unfortunately, uh, I think it's on Channel Five here, um, so it's it's in my queue. But I've had a crazy week, so unfortunately, I haven't been able to catch up with that. You know, um, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned about Scott Coker. You know, I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that you know he's been around quite a while now. I think he's got some great stories. You know, I, I understood like he was hanging out with Mike Tyson 
back over in Japan and he's got, you know, he's the kind of guy where I think with MMA, because it's such a, a, a sort of hype driven and now driven uh, field, you know, sometimes we don't realize that actually we have historical figures kind of in our midst, you know, I mean, I'd love to sit down with, as I'm sure you would, you know, and, and pick Scott Coker's brain over the different things he's seen down through the years, you know, the same with Dana White, the same with these other folks. I think it's really important that we, we start doing that, you know, that we start documenting the sport because for me, the characters that are in it, the stories that are in it, the athleticism that's in it, um, you know, it's, it's no greater or less than, than the likes that you see in the NFL or boxing. And, you know, they have some great documentaries and, and great, great books too. So, yeah, I think that for me, that's really what we should start thinking about, you know, is, is how we, um, and I'll certainly support anyone and, and advise anyone who ever wants to do that. And uh, I'll, I'll throw some money at their Kickstarter too. Um, and yeah, just, I think trying to, you know, get that historical perspective across. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, one, one really cute thing I thought about the weekend was, I don't know if you saw the clip of Fedor coming over to uh, exchanging the tracksuit with Chael. Yeah, I did. So I think at the end of the clip, what happens is Chael starts to walk away. He's like, oh, thanks very much. Because he didn't realize that Fedor wanted to kind of do like a jersey swap. Like, you know, and I I think it's quite a common thing in soccer. I don't think it's so much in in U.S.-based sports. And uh, Fedor's coach was kind of like being like, no, Chael, come on, come come back and give Fedor your T-shirt, you know. So uh, I think. I think Chael was uh, getting away with the better part of the deal there, but uh, that was a really nice moment. And yeah, it was a uh, look, I think you'd favor Ryan Bader pretty heavily to be honest, but I think even if he doesn't manage to go out on a high, I think that was such a great moment for him, you know, and, uh, and uh, a real Testament to his skill set. Yeah. Actually yeah. on the the same YouTube channel where we put these podcast episodes, I have the interview, the post fight, uh, my interviews with Coker, uh, Chael and uh, Fedor. I have a, uh, and Fader's post-fight uh, interviews, they're all up there. Um, and one of the interesting things, um, one of the interesting things that uh, um, Chael said that Bader actually commented on that night after Fedor's win was that he believes he did put some things out there for Bader to use for, for his fight. And um, Bader kind of agreed with him. And one of the things is, obviously, I mean, Fader's from the older guard, from the Pride era, kind of still carrying over into the current era. And um, so, like, fatigue, fatigue can be a factor the longer the fight goes. Ryan Bader actually said that he thought if the fight, that thing could, if, if it saw a second round, Sonnen probably could have had a better uh, chance of winning. But um, he didn't even know that he was, uh, you know, curled up the way he was. But he said, like, Fedor obviously hits harder than most guys that he's ever been hit by. And that's one thing that I think um, uh, Fedor's uh, favor for January when they do fight. Um, January 26th, I think uh, it just has that puncher's chance to still drop anybody out there. And um, the talk of retirement came up a lot, too. I don't know if you saw any of the, the fight week stuff, but uh, he doesn't seem keen on it. His, his, his own team seems to hint at him retiring. He doesn't seem like he wants to. So do you think, like, like especially with, with, with the, the content in your book, do you think that, like, when guys like Rampage and Fader and Wanderlei finally hang it up, it's going to be close out the pride era for, for good. Yeah. I mean, I think in a sense it will, um, you know, for those guys. And I think the real key thing about those guys was um, pride. Pride as a platform was initially built, I think by Japanese fighters and by Hickson. 
Um, and I think the Gracies as well deserve credit, even in losing um, to, to Sakuraba in the way they did, they did. But I think in the West, what they're really remembered for is the foreign fighters. So I think that's Crow Cup, Nogueira, Silva, uh, Fedor, on you know being that platform. I think once those guys retire, I think you're right. I think that that does close out the Pride era, e- even though the main components of it will still keep going. Um, if you looked at the last Rising card, um, some of the entrances were amazing. You know, some of the action was really great, and it was a show. You know, it was entertainment from from start to finish. You know, and um, the Bob Sap fight, which I'm not sure if you managed to catch catch that. Um, I saw the highlights. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just watching that unfold live was fantastic. And, and um, look, Bob Sapp isn't the guy you should be fighting. But, you know, uh, it, it was still fascinating to see and still entertaining. So I think that style will keep going. Um, I think now, and, and I've been thinking about this a little bit, I think it's much harder to get prominence with something like Ryzen because now um, there's just so much content for us to catch up on unlike back in the day when you had maybe like one UFC tape and one pride tape every three months that you had to catch up on much easier to catch up on the content then. So unfortunately I think once those guys retire, I think it might be the end of, of kind of that, those real larger than life characters. You know, I think Connor obviously and Khabib and, and these other guys are characters too, but I think they're in a different way. I think they're much more focused on athleticism, um, you know, in, in certain aspects. And um, yeah, I think once those guys retire, you know, will be the end. And, and to be honest, the one thing I don't miss um, about that, I think is the real set is the punishment they took and the punishment they inflicted too. You know, I think it's something that, you know, we, we want to see kind of slightly safer rules and, and shorter careers. So, you know, guys can still walk around and, you know, um, be able to talk and, and have good memories when they're, you know, in their forties or fifties. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I've, I've definitely talked about it with Matt a few times on the podcast. But you talked about the entrances and the showmanship, and that's one of the things um, when I talked to Coker, he said that he kind of took a little bit of that from the Japanese culture and, and added to, to his version of Bellator. You definitely saw it at this weekend's events with the entrances. And, and the. I mean, they're almost like a, they're almost it's like a, a lighter version of what the pro wrestling does, you know, minus the pyrotechnics and all that. But um. I mean, he definitely somebody that that liked that era, and um, when I asked him about it uh, in that interview, he, he hints at like obviously he's got people that Viacom and stuff he answers to, but um, I think the partnership with uh, do you have the the zone over where you're at in Ireland? I think it's accessible in some way, but I think there might be some blackhead restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that's uh that that's kind of the way that. When I asked him the question, I was hinting at like maybe because uh, over here we watch uh, Rising through Fight TV, but if they jumped ship and went over to the zone, then that uh, Bellator versus Rising thing could happen, which is something that uh, I can't help but think that the, uh, compare it to Pride when I see stuff like that. Do you remember when Chuck Liddell was over in uh, Pride and he, he kind of jumped in that tournament? I forget which which number event it was. But he was like the only representative of the UFC that went over there to fight. Do you remember that or no? Yeah, so that was the 2003 um, middleweight Grand Prix um, yeah. when he was Rampage. Uh, I think, God, was it? Maybe it's total elimination or something. I can't remember what they called the opening round of that. Anyway, um, and yeah, look, it's always it's always interesting to see that curiosity factor of who's the best. You know, I think. At the time, you know, there was maybe some ambiguity because the UFC had been the pioneer in MMA 
um, and and had some pretty decent guys. Pride, I think, you know, had had probably even better fighters. You know, Rampage wasn't even the best guy in Pride. You know, at that weight class, it was definitely Wanderlei, no, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's always intriguing to be able to see what those matchups are like. And um, the, the thing is, and this is one of the reasons why the UFC has. Uh, made its name um, and and has become so successful is because unlike boxing, they can make those fights. You know, there's no curiosity factor. And we're kind of a little spoiled, I think, in that sense as UFC fans and MMA fans, because as soon as a fight occurs or is obvious, barring injury, you'll you'll get to see it. Um, I think now it's going to break up a little bit more. I think Eddie Alvarez going to 1FC and that Bader, who, um, I mean, and Bader, no disrespect to him, you know, he's a fantastic fighter, but you know, he would have been fourth or fifth in line, you know, behind the likes of Gustafsson, Cormier, and Jones. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now he's in Bellator and he's doing great there. So I think that's healthy for the fighters. And I think it might be healthy for the fans because, you know, sometimes if you just get what you want, the constant diet of, of matchups like that, I think that's a little bit damaging. I think something like the the Chuck Liddell, Rampage, Jackson fight, you know, I think that's a little more encouraging. And yeah, Bellator versus Ryzen, I think that would be a, that would be a great, a great idea to see what they can match up. Uh, really quick, what do you think? What is your opinion of uh, Liddell and Ortiz coming back and fighting? They just released that card uh, last night. I saw the lineup, um, but it just seems it's, that seems like an odd matchup to bring about. It doesn't seem to have the same, uh, not the same like uh, interest as having Fedor in this tournament and stuff like that. What do you, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, look, I, I think the big problem with that one and the, the same with Vanderlei versus Rampage is. Unfortunately, what it becomes is whose injuries have taken the biggest toll on them and who has declined quicker because of those injuries. Um, and if you looked at it, look, Rampage had more miles on the clock than Vanderlei did um, because I don't think he took as much punishment as Vanderlei had. Um, in terms of even Chael versus Vanderlei, same thing, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, I think that's why the curiosity factor, even something like... Um, you know, like Fedor in his fights, you know, he because he fought, he's fought, he's fighting a new generation of guys. There is much more of a curiosity factor there, like him versus Verdum. I mean, to be honest, for for the longest time period, the curiosity was how long can he keep going? How long can he keep winning? Um, and even now, you know, they have fresh matchups, whether it's him against Mitrione or him against um, Chael or what have you, um, where you do, there is a genuine curiosity factor. Um, but I think that that's not there for Little versus Ortiz. It's entirely a matter of who has declined quicker. I think, quite frankly, um, it's going to be Chuck. Uh, he's he's older. He's probably taken a little bit more punishment than Tito, and Tito has been active more recently. So for me, I think that's a big problem. I think Golden Boy as an experiment would be interesting. Um, I, I'm not so certain I trust Oscar Del Hoy's sincerity in terms of fighter pay. I think um, mm-hmm. he could be encouraging fighters to unionize if he thinks that's the case, but as a promoter, he... he would probably never do that um but i and i think you know i think they're gonna be disappointed you know i don't think it's gonna perform massively well um and we're gonna have to wait and see but yeah it's it's a card we can do without i think it's a fight we can do without and um but yeah look hopefully those guys i wouldn't begrudge them making any money you know they 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 deserve that much and hopefully they don't they don't uh they don't compromise their health or anything like that i think uh, in in fighting yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, uh, the, you, you definitely don't want to see anyone fight longer than they should. Be. Um, so what's next for you? Like, like, what are you looking for as far as like hitting uh, as accolades for the book? I know it just came out, but I mean, uh, with the technology and the way content is created, 
And you as a self-publisher, would I mean, would you do like a web documentary to, uh, to like do a comparison for the book, like uh, accompany the book, I should say? Yeah, I mean, um, it, one of the goals I had in mind for the podcast is, was to, um, uh, you know, maybe maybe produce a radio documentary if if it hit hit its goals like quite soon. Mm. Um, being totally frank, um, I think there is the interest and pride there. I think some combination of it being a book project and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like the fact that I, I don't necessarily have a track record has meant that I think it hasn't performed hugely well in financial terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am really happy with it in every other sense. So for me, yeah, look, I'm just going to keep promoting it. I, I just want to hear and, and, you know, get in front of more and more people as, as I can. And uh, that process is going to take a few months. Um, I'm I'm doing a PhD right now, so I, I have a lot of writing to do. I would love to return, um, not to give away <laughs> the secret too soon, but like people have mentioned stuff to me. Um, Strike Force was a topic that somebody brought up. Um, oh. Pancras was one that kind of interested me, maybe. Um, but you know, to be honest, I think it would also be a thing where I I want to make sure that people are interested in reading these things and interested in engaging with them and. Yeah, I think a documentary or something I think might be uh, might be something that would be interesting to do, but there's only so many hours in a day too. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, you're telling me. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm winging it myself today. I mean, we, we had a touch basis with the time difference, but um, and, and I was just getting back from uh, covering those events between New York and Connecticut. And I live in New Jersey, so I'm all up. And then I got to go to Washington D.C. this weekend for PFL 10. So it's uh it's definitely a grind. But um, uh, before we close out, the um, just uh, you mentioned uh, so I I would think I uh, just to chime in because this is the first I'm hearing about it. Uh, I would think that the strike force, the strike force one would probably gain, gain more interest than Pancrase because Pancrase might be a little too way back for for the the people that are watching that have an interest. Only because like if you look at if you look at a lot of the uh, <clears throat> like Daniel Cormier is holding two titles and he's uh. It's the connection to him and, and Grand Prix tournaments and, and the titles he's held, holding and held. It's definitely uh, something you could you could connect back to uh, to your current book, only because obviously Coker Coker didn't use the, the term Grand Prix and Strike Force, you know, because he thought he pulled it out of the air. It's obviously something he was a fan of from from Japanese MMA. So that might be something you might want to start making your bullet points on or, or building <laughs> building your building your skeleton of the book and while you're doing your phd yeah yeah you're right though there is there is some cool stuff there i think uh you know frank shamrock's later career kung lee uh ronda you know uh misha all that stuff i think would be interesting to explore and i think if i was to do it i'd, I'd try to do it more in kind of an oral history style because i think really um you know as good of a job as i felt i did i think I think people want to hear more from the fighters you know they want to hear more kind of little insights and unique stories and that kind of stuff i think that's what really um interests people so yeah look i know we're spitballing here um if anybody else wants to take that project on they are more than welcome <laughs> um because right now I, I i i don't have the reserves of mental physical or financial to uh to to take that project on but i think it would be an interesting one and yeah look watch this space i mean uh I don't think this is the last book I've written, um, and, and probably not the last book in MMA. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so far it's great. I mean, if folks folks that don't haven't grabbed it yet, it's uh, it's on Amazon, right? Uh, so it's you on go Amazon to, in uh, the UK and US, right? 
yeah yeah it's it's on every amazon store conceivable really so people as long as you can get amazon in your country you can get that um you can go to beforefallbook.com for all the links um or check us out on social media before a fall book all one word on twitter and before a fall book on uh, facebook too if people just want to like buy the book for me as well like I'm, I'm totally cool with that you know i can i can get a copy to people um there's been a bit of a like somebody just messaged me because amazon have not fulfilled the order and like she's giving it to somebody as a birthday present so i'm gonna have to like <clears throat> copy portugal super quick so mm. this is the perils of self-publishing you know but it's uh yeah it's great it's great that there's interest there it's great people want to read it and uh yeah long may it continue oh yeah no i'll definitely uh and i'll definitely help push it out on, on to on twitter and stuff just because uh, uh we are an amazon affiliate too so <laughs> it does help us out if somebody buys a book from us too but um it's definitely a great read and, and uh i mean I'm, I'm a hardcore reader um you can't see it but i, ha- I have shelves of books and the self-publishing um, that's definitely the way to go these days to get it. the best books coming out now are self-published. Uh, I, I had a long conversation. I don't know if you've read comic books and stuff, but Todd DeZago, who's a, a longtime author for uh, Spider-Man and for Hapnots, I had a long conversation with him about self-publishing back when I covered a, uh, that was a comic book convention here in the East Coast. And um, that's definitely uh, the way to, to good books are coming out by authors putting them out themselves. So uh, I hope that uh, helps motivate you while you're doing your PhD to keep the other book in the back of your mind. But um, I appreciate you reaching out, man, and, and, and doing this with me. I, I really like the book, and I am going to do a full I've, – I've written done written reviews for every book I've read, especially with the authors I've, I've had the pleasure to interview and know. So uh, that will be coming up on uh, the Blog for Jungle website soon. Thanks, Ed. I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah. Thanks for thanks for everything and, and thanks for your support. No problem. Anytime, I mean, anytime you want to come on and and, and push stuff, definitely let us know. We're we'll, we're happy to have you. I know it's late over there for you in Ireland, so so uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll be in touch though. And and again, I'll help I'll help uh, any way I can help promote the book. I'll I'll help you do it. Thanks, Ed. All right. Take care. Take care. You too.